Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If you could just find your contentment in having Him. He says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. If you could just be content to have God, because that's great gain. And again, it's, it's not saying that God won't give some people lots of stuff, that some people won't be very wealthy, some people won't have things. It's just important that that's not your passion in life to have stuff. That's not your goal, that the stuff doesn't have you either. And so godliness with contentment is great gain. And this is what it says. For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. What is your passion in life? Your passion is what you think about the most. Is your passion to get more stuff? Pastor Bill today reminds us that along with godliness, it's great gain to be content in God. This is a hard lesson to learn, since the message all around us is to buy more stuff. If we could just get one more thing, then we'll be happy. It's always one more thing, but things will never satisfy our soul. We came into this world with nothing, and with nothing we will depart from this world. Let's focus on what lasts forever. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. When you guys show up here, it should have been decided before you got here what y'all were going to give. It's not my job to coerce you, to shake you up and down. If it's going to be an act of worship between you and the Lord, it's something you work out before you get here. I'm, I'm willingly coming and offering this to God because I love God. I wasn't coerced. Pastor didn't say something to make me feel guilty. I love God and this is what he gave me and I'm giving back to God of my own free will. Boom, that's worship. Now we fold it up in a little envelope and don't nobody know who gave what. I don't know if you gave. We don't know who gave what. It's between you and the Lord. The Bible says when you're doing charitable deeds, it says don't let your left hand know what your what? What your right hand is doing. God says your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So I can't have you come up front and be like, I'm giving a thousand dollars. That's your reward. Everybody that's like, wow, she gave a thousand dollars. I mean, soak that in. I mean, soak it in real good. That's it. That's your reward. I, we, we robbed you twice. So here he says, they've made godliness something about gaining, financial gain, and it's not about that. That's not God's heart for you and for me. We need to come to a place where we are so content. We're so thankful to know God that I think when we understand the riches of that, that you know, I could be broke and have God, I'm good. I could have a lot of things and have God, I'm good. I, I'm good because I have God. I'm content because I got a relationship with the Lord. That will stabilize you in a, in a world that's very unstable. Many of us here, maybe, maybe you've had a lot, maybe you've had a little, maybe you've had finances go like this. But if you got a relationship with the Lord, it should just it should steady you when everything else is kind of going like this. It should just be a stabilizing factor. I can always worship and I can always be thankful because I'm going to heaven when I die. When this thing is over with, I'm going to heaven. And right now, as I'm in the midst of whatever, I can cry out to God and he hears me. He speaks to me. I got a relationship with the living God. That should be the contentment of the believer. Amen. Amen. And so now look at verse six. Paul, this is so good. You need to highlight this, underline it and know it, believe it, live it. It says now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment, Paul says, is great gain. What does it mean to be godly? God, what is godliness? It's, it's living for God. It's a life that's just given over to the Lord, a life that lives to please God. I have a relationship with the Lord. I'm living in obedience. I'm just, my life is wrapped up in living for God. I'm godliness. Godliness with contentment, Paul said, that is great gain, great gain. 
There are resources here, again, that money can't buy, um, that you just can't have. Um, again, I know, I know people that are wealthy and discontented. All you got to do is look at our stars. Uh, I always tell kids, they're like, I want to be a star, really? Really, let me, let me, let, let, you just take a good, the ones that are honest, you know, coming out of rehab and telling their stories and you get to watch what's going on, just, you need to take a look at what their lives are like. Like, do you really want that? And, well, they just they got a lot of money. I know. I mean, I'm looking at millionaires that are so disturbed internally, they want to die. How many stars have committed suicide? And we're looking, thinking that if we just had what they had, we'd be happy. They have it and they ain't happy. What makes you think if you had it, you'll be happy? They're proof that more money doesn't mean more contentment or more happiness. It, 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 many times what it means is more problems. Uh, I watched this show called, um, it was some show about people that won the lottery. You might have seen that. And it was going through series of people's lives that have won the lottery. Do you know that the, it's rare that a life was made better because of the lottery? Every once in a while you see a happy story. And I wonder if it's all legit. But Many of them, right? They're, the people are less happy. They're less contented. And I'm listening to the stories like, yeah, now everybody, as soon as they air the family, heard we won, they, and they have not stopped begging for money. It's, it's like, ah, you know, just they're stressed out. They, they, it sounds like they'd rather be broke again, you know? Uh, another guy, he, he got money. Everybody worked him, worked him, and somebody killed him and took his money, and they buried him. And I'm looking at this thing, just thinking like, I think he was happier in his apartment <laughs> before, you know, and just... It doesn't make them better. And so for those of us that dream that way, oh, I just, if, if I just had this, then I'd be content. If that's you, if you believe in your heart, if I could just get that, then I'd be content. If, if I could just, for you single people, if I could just find him or find her, then, then I could just, then I would be, that's all I need is that. If I could just have this job, if I could just make this much, if I could just get that car, just have that place to live, if I could just, if you believe in your heart, if I could just get that, then you haven't put a great enough value on having him. Because really, if you could just have him, then you should be able with that to be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. If you can be content with just having the Lord, you might be able to handle having some other stuff too. But if you could just find your contentment in having him, he says godliness with contentment is great gain. If you could just be content to have God, because that's great gain. And again, it's, it's not saying that God won't give some people lots of stuff, that some people won't be very wealthy. Some people won't have things. It's just important that that's not your passion in life to have stuff. That's not your goal, that the stuff doesn't have you either. And so godliness with contentment is great gain. And this is what it says. For we brought nothing into the world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You came into the world. Uh, we just had three babies in the last couple weeks. And so, boom, 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 three babies. They all came in naked. They came in when they just, the way God gave them to you, boom, beautiful, naked, little, nothing, that, that's it. They just came just like that, nothing. God said they didn't bring anything into this world with them. They came just with what they are. And he said, when you leave, you're going just like that. Um, they might cremate you. They might put fancy clothes on you and put some makeup on you, but you didn't bring nothing and you're not taking nothing with you when you go. Nothing. Even if they bury you with some stuff, it's just buried stuff. I mean, you know, I, I heard of these guys going into the graves and taking stuff and it sounds real morbid and awful. I kind of get it. Like, I, in my mind, I'm like, they're not there. Like, why you bury that gold ring? <laughs> he can't enjoy it, you know? I, I, you know, I, I'm not saying it was right to do. It was illegal, but I get it, you know? I mean, it's useless down there. It's just a great waste. You can't take it with you when you go. And so we don't want to be 
living for things, God says, look, now, this is the thing, like, you can't take stuff with you, but you guys know you can send stuff up ahead, right? How do you do that, right? How do we send stuff up ahead? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, don't store up your treasures on earth where moth and dust corrupt, where thieves break in and steal. He said, but you know what? Store up your treasure in heaven where moth and dust doesn't corrupt, where thieves don't break in and steal. There are things that we could do on a regular basis as we live for God where we're storing up treasure in heaven. We're just sending it up ahead. I'm not living for here. I'm not living for now. I'm not living for some stuff right here, right now. I'm living for eternity. And so as you do things down here on earth, there's things that we can do every day where there's treasure being stored. God says, when, you, when you're persecuted for my name's sake, he says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. So when you're living for God to such a degree that people are giving you some, some heartache about it, God says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Great is your reward in heaven. Just send us some stuff up ahead. Um, there are things that you do in terms of ministering to people, giving and people don't know about it, spending time in prayer, evangelizing, sharing the gospel to, with people. Just There are all these things that you can do every single day where God said this is going up ahead. And it might not impact your, your livelihood right now. It might not impact your living situation here and now, but it's being sent up ahead. It's, been, it's just sown into eternity and it'll be there for all eternity. And so. There's people that are rich down here and they're going to be broke in heaven, you know, now. But everybody in heaven is going to be blessed that you made it. Right. But y'all know heaven's going to be different for people. Right. For someone to live their life for the Lord 50 years, just sacrificial service of 50 years of, of serving. Heaven's going to be different. Understand for them than someone that was saved. Uh, maybe this maybe they had 50 years saved, but they just didn't. Didn't, didn't, didn't give much, didn't, didn't serve, didn't, didn't minister, didn't do much storing into eternity, just kind of lived, happy to be saved. Heaven's going to be different for them. This, they, won't, you know, they, won't be, they won't be bummed out. There's fullness of joy in his presence and all of that. But there is a difference, right? God wouldn't tell us to store it up there if it was all going to be the same. So just something to consider. You know, as you're living your life uh, week to week, um, we all are aware of what we do. What have you done this week to impact your week financially? Have you made so much, so forth and so on? But how often do we consider how has what I've done this week matter in eternity? Does God care? Does it matter? Is, this, is, it, is the way I'm living this week matter in eternity? Um, we should consider that as well. So, again, Godliness will continue this great game. We brought nothing into the world. It's certain that we can carry nothing out. Verse 8, and having food and clothing... With these, we shall be content. And so God says, this is what you should be content with. Food, clothing. Everybody here got food and everybody here got clothes on. Praise God. Uh, so he said, you got food and clothing. With that, you should be content. Your needs are met. Your basic needs. Now, we live in a culture, again, where people be discontented because they feel like they don't have everything they need. And I've sat with people many times that felt like, my needs aren't. I need more than what I have coming in right now. And it's like, okay, well, I need, you need a place to stay. You need food. You need clothing. You need, need those things. And we can live so far above our means that we take what God has supplied to meet our need. And now we've spent it on our wants. And so sometimes you have to sit down and look at everything and say, wow, you know, maybe because this thing I have, I want. Sometimes we convince ourselves that we need what we want, though. You know, no, I need cable. I need, I gotta have, we got, we need that because what are we going to do for all those hours where, you know, where I could be reading my Bible, but there's nothing else to do. So I, I need, I need cable. Got to have cable because, you know, we're got to have that. We got to have 
you know, whatever the things are that maybe, maybe, you know, those, I'm not saying you can't have cable at home. If you enjoy that, you can afford it. I'm just saying some people uh, spend up all the need on stuff that they want. And then they'd be looking up God like, God, I, I need more. I, I don't have enough. I need more. And God says, look, this is what you should be able to be content with. Do you have food? Do you have clothes? You should be content. Um, you know, you're not naked and you're not hungry. You should be content. So if I need more than God, more than food and clothes to be content, I'm, I'm, I've gotten it out of balance in some way. Again, I'll move on and we'll come back to the other thing. So verse nine, it says, but those who desire to be rich. You should circle the word desire. You write in your Bible. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Those who desire to be rich. One more time. They fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts with which drown men in destruction and perdition. So it's it's not even being rich. It's not a, it, there are Christians that are rich. There are people that God is blessed to have material wealth and it's not a sin. It's not a crime. It's OK. He says those who desire it. The person that's sitting up night and day trying to figure out how to be rich. Me and my wife walked into a, a coffee place the other day and I saw a guy with that, that book out, uh, Think and Grow Rich, you know, and uh, I told my wife it was a prop. You know, I said, I, I think the brother was there trying to, you know, do some other things. But anyway, um, you know, it, it says those who desire to be rich, if that's what you desire, that's what you sit around thinking about. How am I going to get me some more? I just want to be rich. I just want to have more money, more. If that's what you sit around thinking about, if, if the goals in your life are aimed at that. And because we're Americans, many of us have sold our kids that same numb dream. That everything that you're pumping into your kids, you got to go to school, honey. Why, mom? Because you got to get good grades. How come, mom? So you can get a good job and have a lot of money, have a lot of stuff. Because I want you to be okay when because you don't struggle like I struggle. That's, that's most parents. They're just preaching that to your kids. Can be, they don't even know God. But, but, you know, but they're doing good in school. That's your goal for your kids, that they can just do good in school, so they can get good jobs, go to college, and have some stuff. And that's all, that's everything that you're pouring into your kids. Do you know that you're setting them up for failure in that? Their goal can't be stuff. Your goal is not supposed to be stuff either. Now, should your kid do good in school? Yeah, you should do the best you can in everything. But then why? It's a step backwards, right? Because you're a Christian. Because you know God, because I'm going to make sure you know God. That's my job. And as a Christian, you know God, you should be a good one. You should do your best everywhere. At school, on your sports, whatever you do, you should do it all your heart. Do it as unto the Lord. You should be the best that you can be in everything, but not so that, so that you can get where God's trying to take you. But I don't know where God's taking you. I don't know his plan for your life. I'm praying with you for that, but that you would get there. If we sell our kids that dream, and that's what a lot of kids, is. I, I know kids that had a call from God to go into missionary work. And their parents are like, well, no, you can't go to Bible college. That, 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 what are you going to do with that? That doesn't make any money. And they told their kids, no, I'm not paying. No, you can't go. And I'm just sitting there pulling out. I can't pull out my hair, but I'm just, I can't believe it. I'm like, they want to serve God. Like, you're, are you Christian? Why would you, why would you keep them from that so that they can have some stuff? Um, so we have to be care careful as parents that we haven't bought in to the American mindset um, that we just, because if we do, then we sell it to our kids and we'll be discontented. They'll be discontented. They don't even know why. They'll always be discontented. I know I'm supposed to have more by now. By this age, I should have more stuff, but I don't have much stuff as I should have. Do you have Jesus? You should be discontented about that. 
If I'm going to be bummed out about my kids, I'm going to be bummed out because they're not walking with the Lord. But if my kids are walking with Jesus and maybe they're not the best student, um, do your best. I'm glad you got, you got the Lord. You got everything you need. If, if your kids are walking with God, I'm telling you that, that at the end of the day, because of what I believe, I need to see my kids in heaven. That's what I need to see. I need to see them in relationship with the living God. Amen? Because you can't buy that. And school can't teach it. You, just, you grasp it or you don't grasp it. So, um, so he says, again, those who desire to be rich. So it's not a healthy thing for us to be desiring, just going after wealth and riches. And we shouldn't be encouraging that in our kids either. Um, where, you know, you ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, some kids say, you know, I really like working with my hands. I want to be a plumber. Oh, isn't there something better you could be? You know, but, but maybe that's what he's going to do and glorify God with it. But we would put that down. Some other kids, I want to be a lawyer. Yeah, a doctor. All right. Why? Because in our mind, those are professions that should generate a lot of wealth. And we'd encourage that, but discourage something else. Be careful, adults. Uh, I quit asking kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? At church, when I see little kids, I'm like, hey, what, what do you believe God's calling you to do? What's God put in your heart? What do you feel like God's calling you to do? Is there anything God stirs up when you pray, when you're in the word? Is there anything God's been stirring up in you? There's something God giving you a desire for? Tell me what that is so I can encourage you in that. I don't care what you want to be. How many of you guys wanted to be something once upon a time that now you look back and say, I was just a dumb. I, I wanted to be a lot of dumb things for a lot of dumb reasons. Um, you know, I look back, I, I mean, one era of my life, I wanted to be a stuntman. Um, at another era of my life, I wanted to be an NFL player. Then I wanted to be a, uh, I wanted to be a lot of things. And, and every era, it was a reason for it. Um, none of those things have I become. And it wasn't until I got saved that God gave me some direction as to what he wanted me to be. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters is what he wanted. So, so moving on, verse 10. For the love of money, this oft, most, often misquoted verse. People say, for, for money is the root of all kinds of evil. But it's not. Notice what the verse says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrow. What's the problem? The love of money. What are we supposed to love? We love God, right? We love the Lord. He says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. Think about the evil things that people do for money because they love it. Children are sold into prostitution because somebody loves money. Drugs are sold to people that are dying for using them because someone loves money. The love of money is the root of all. People have killed other people for some money because they love money. The love of money is, it is a root of all kinds of, of evil that takes place. So why would we want to stir up in a kid's heart a love of money? And why would we want to nurture that in our own hearts? Loving wealth, loving money. We just need to nurture loving the Lord. That'll keep us balanced. That'll keep us right because the love of money will produce lots of lots of wickedness, lots of evil things. The world is as corrupt as it is right now because there are people in charge that love money, uh, love money more than God, love money more than people. They love money. And so when that becomes the love of your life, you do some unthinkable things for money. And in my lifetime as a non-believer, um, I look at some of the things I did for money and I, I'm, I'm embarrassed for some of the things I was willing to do for money and how far I went. And I know people that have gone even farther. And so uh, it's not a good place to put your affections. Um, it's a better place for us to be in a place where we love God. You'll be able to enjoy whatever money you do have a lot better when you love the Lord and you haven't done anything crooked to get it. So moving on now, verse 11, it says, but you, O man of God, flee these things 
and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. I got to point out here that this phrase, oh man of God, we hear that a lot in churches today. Everybody's, oh, he's a man of God. He's a man of God. I just want to point out that in scripture, it's a scarcely used phrase. It's not a common phrase. It's not attributed to very many in scripture. Just a few people, some Old Testament men of God, some real men of God. And here Timothy is called that. It's not a quote. It wasn't for every person that stood behind a pulpit. It wasn't ascribed to every person that did something. It was handpicked few that are ascribed that title. So I just throwing that out there because we use it like nothing now. Oh, he's a man of God, the man of God, a man of God. Timothy, he says, oh, you old man of God. And he tells him some things to flee. He said, flee those things. What? Flee the love of money. Flee the pursuit of gain. Flee that mindset altogether. This is what you need to go after, Timothy. This is what you're to pursue. These will be healthy things for you and I to pursue as well. These will be healthy things for us to be ministering our young ones to pursue. Righteousness, just being a right standing with God. Godliness, again, living after the Lord. Faith, love, patience, gentleness. And then he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you also were called and have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I was pondering that phrase, fight the good fight of faith. Paul says faith is a fight. Anybody here that's trying to walk by faith, trying to believe God beyond what you can see, you know it's a battle. It's a difficult thing. There are times where God will allow us to be in situations where I can't see how. But God, you said. And so we're to walk by faith and not by sight. And so he says, hey, Timothy, fight the good fight. What's the good fight? It's the fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Battle for that. Win that battle. When, you're, when your flesh can't see it, doesn't want to obey it because I don't, flesh won't want to go beyond what it can see. Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Fight through that. Do it anyway. Fight through living a life, you guys, that is limited to what you can see. I can see how this will work out, so I'll do it. You know, God may speak to you to do something for him. And it's like, I don't think I can do it. I'm afraid to do it. Fight through that. Fight the good fight of faith. Paul tells Timothy that a lot of things God's going to call you to do that are going to grate against your flesh. You're not going to be able to see how it can work out. And you fight the good fight of faith. Trust God beyond what you can see. And again, I hate how today faith is used and what we call the prosperity gospel, the word faith movement. Faith is always used to get us more stuff. If you just believe you can have whatever you say. You could just speak a, I've talked to so many people that say, I'm like, can you, can you do me a favor right now? Speak something into existence. Just right now. You do it, right? You believe that? Speak something. They, nope, they can't do it, right? It's not true. It's a lie, but they preach it and people be like, amen, oh, oh, and give me that money for it. You can't speak something into existence. Um, anyway, he tells him here, he says, um, you have uh, you to fight the good fight of faith. Again, that's trusting God, believing in God uh, for who he is. And if you guys remember, if you look at the, the book of Hebrews, we call it the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And then maybe just for homework, you can just go read that on your own. As you read through each person, it reads like this. By faith, Abraham did X, Y, and Z. By faith, Sarah did this. By faith, Enoch did this. By faith, and when you read through the whole thing, you won't find one person who by faith got some more stuff. You'll find that everybody by faith 
did greater things for God. By faith, they had victory, spiritual battles that they won, things that they, they acquired. The one person that was handling stuff was Moses. And by faith, Moses let go of stuff to live a simpler life and follow and pursue the call of God. First Timothy 4, verse 7 through 10 says this, Training yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is a value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. We all know exercise is good for the body, but have you considered lately how your soul needs exercise too? We have a long race ahead of us before we get to go home to the Father, and we need to be in shape for the journey. You've made a great first step by being here with us on a transforming word. Hearing the word of God transforms our lives. What's your next training step? Is it to spend some time in prayer or perhaps to go out and find a place to serve? Or maybe it is to take the step of giving. Whatever it is, embrace your soul training today. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. In this series, Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of 1 Timothy, where we find many golden nuggets of wisdom for the journey. If your next step in training is to give, hop on over to calvaryinglewood.org to give online. Or you can download our app and give from there. Once again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. Thank you for being a part of this ministry. We'll see you here next time as we journey together here on A Transforming Word.